Hello and welcome back to the B-Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Kautzer, and unfortunately this week uh, we are without Scott again, so we're doing another one-shot, volume number five. Uh, I can assure you that Scott is back. We've talked and we've got stuff planned, so it's just that he's actually covering um, Arrow Video's Fright Fest, and so... There's only so much bandwidth we have in our uh, in our daily lives where we can do things, and so uh, his is preoccupied with a lot of other things, and so uh, I'm back with you know old school you know uh, an old school episode not really an old school episode because we we are not talking about one thing but we're talking about many 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 things or at least uh, many in in my estimation so with that why don't we go ahead and kick off with some uh, Kino Lorber titles. A drifter came riding out of the West. You know him as Clint Eastwood. The citizens of Largo didn't know him at all. What did you say your name was again? I didn't. Fear was in their greeting. Murder was in their minds. I just kind of want to give a shout out to Kino Lorber and their uh, uh, KL Studio Classics line because the last two discs that they've given me and I've got a couple of more uh, media screeners coming in fairly soon, um, they've upped their game in a big way. Um, I've always loved Kino. Uh, They're probably one of my favorite labels because of just the general wealth of um, titles that they have. And I feel like if there was ever a, if there was ever a podcast or if there was ever a sponsor that I would want, I would want Kino Lorber because they just, their vibe with all of their titles is exactly what like the vibe for the B movie podcast is. Um, and, uh, these, these titles, uh, deep star six and high plains drifter, man, they really kind of kicked it up a notch, uh, not just with the special features, but with their transfers, like, especially with high plains drifter. Um, that's one of my actual favorite, uh, Clint Eastwood films. It's a film that I revisit time to time, uh, just because it, it's, it's I, I personally feel it's a very special Western um, in the way that um, it's it's a blunt instrument of a of a film, but I feel like it's highly effective. Um, uh, like, you know, there's no mistaking what he's kind of talking about. Eastwood's talking about here. And this is like Eastwood pre you know, talking to the chair. Um, I'm not going to really get too much into it, but needless to say, like, this is like, Eastwood is like my age when he makes High Plains Drifter. He was about 42 or 43. I just, I, and I look at it and I'm stunned. I'm I'm always stunned when I watch it because it is one of my favorite Westerns and one of my favorite Eastwood films. Um, and wow, like, Kino uh, got a, did a 4K restoration for this movie, and fuck, is it beautiful. Uh, like, I have the screen, or I have the shout select, and I have this uh, Blu-ray, and then I even have the first DVD iteration, and I can tell you that the Kino disc is by far and large the best representation of the film. Like, I've seen it projected 35 mil, um, 
uh, on a beautiful, gorgeous print at the New Beverly and um, also at the Arrow, uh, which is an AFI-supported theater in uh, California. And, like, I'll be honest with you, like, the Kino, the look of the Kino disc is as close to that beautiful 35 millimeter print that I saw. Um, so barring a 4K UHD disc, we ain't getting anything better than this. So, um, and like, and I'm going to have a review posting in the next uh, couple of days or uh, like at the time that this posts, but this fucking thing is just packed with some really great special features. Uh, an audio commentary by Alex Cox, which I've gotten through. It's a little quiet, but like Cox, who's the director of Repo Man, uh, but he's also a huge, huge Western fan. And he's created a couple of Westerns himself, of very, uh, very wild Westerns. Um, uh, he does a great commentary. Uh, they have the trailers from hell uh, commentaries. Um are included in this. It's it's just just a great package altogether. Some new interviews. Uh, it's needless to say, it's really really stacked, and I really love this disc. And if you're a if you're a fan of westerns, or you're a fan of Eastwood, or if you're just a fan of like great cinema, um, I highly recommend this one. Below the surface of the sea, far, far below, in impenetrable darkness, at unimaginable pressure. No form of life we know could possibly exist. Here, there is only silence. And the crew of Deep Star Six. So the next Kino title that uh, we're talking about here is uh, Deep Star Six, or Deep Fried Six, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Um, <laughs> the Sean Cunningham-directed uh, underwater monster movie uh, that came out uh, in the year 1989, 1989 was like this huge year for fucking, um, underwater movies, all trying to make, uh, make it out f uh, first out of the gate and, uh, lap up the box office gold between this, um, George Cosmatos's Leviathan. And then of course, James Cameron's The Abyss. Uh, we all know which one won that that whole war um you know not box office wise maybe per se because they all kind of they all kind of like you know sunk at the box office i mean leviathan was probably the one that kind of broke even where like you know of course we've heard the horror stories about the abyss and its budget and its overruns but if you're going to talk about movies and pure filmmaking muscle i mean the abyss is probably my favorite cameron film um and, of course, it's still not on fucking Blu-ray or 4K UHD, whatever you want to say. And then, um, you know, uh, it was on HBO T uh, It was on HBO Max for a while, but it's gone away. And uh, it's on Amazon Prime, but, man, they have this shitty transfer. But that transfer on HBO Max was fucking beautiful. So I just can't wait for the, you know, UHD 4K disc for The Abyss. But... In the meantime, we're not talking about The Abyss. We are actually talking about Deep Star Six, or Deep Fried Six, as I like to say. Because, you know, I like all three of them, but there's something about Deep Star Six that just kind of tickles my B-movie funny bone. Um, it makes me, like, like, I just kind of love it because it's, it's, it's low-grade b almost c movie kind of bullshit it like they they i mean you know the, the the thing that i love most about it is that the fucking monster doesn't show up for an hour like literally a fucking hour an hour of this movie is more concerned with 
kind of like the abyss where like it, it, like the inner workings of this underground um this underwater facility which it doesn't it really doesn't like surprise you when you when you learn that the film uh, the screenwriter for this was Louis Abernathy. Louis Abernathy is a friend of Jim Cameron's. Um, he actually plays Louis in uh, Titanic. He's the redheaded, um, robust gentleman in the and the DSRV, like in the deep side uh, with Bill Paxton. They're the treasure hunters. Uh, great guy, a fantastic. Uh, a, like fantastic presence. He actually does a commentary on the, the Kino Lorber disc that is just as fun of an experience as watching deep star six. Like deep star six is like one of those movies that I constantly yell at because it just does the wrong things at the wrong time. Um, but it's delightful in that regard. Uh, it has one of my, uh, one of my all time favorite actors in it, Miguel Ferrar, um, in full 1980s Miguel Ferrar mode, like though my preference for Miguel Ferrar is liter is is Miguel Ferrar in Twin Peaks. I mean that's peak, like you know, mind the pun, but that's peak Miguel Ferrar. Um, <clears throat> I just kind of love it. But here he's he's doing what he does best, which is playing a prick of a man, a prick of a dude, uh, very nervous. It's kind of got this kind of. Bill Paxton Hudson kind of energy going on um, in the movie he does, but it's darker than that. It's not, it doesn't turn out to be like a sacrificial hero. He's just more of a just straight up fucking like, you know, asshole fucking coward. Um, he's like my favorite part of the movie, but uh, uh, the disc itself is great. Uh, they got a good they got a like a solid transfer from uh paramount slash tristar i'm not sure who who has it it's probably paramount because sean cunningham and his forever deal with paramount uh you know uh because of friday the 13th but uh it's a beautiful disc uh i watched uh, uh i watched a transfer on i think it was amazon prime um earlier this year and it was okay but of course you know uh physical media with a blu-ray it, it, there's no uh, there's no you know if ands or buts about what you're gonna per prefer i mean i prefer a f i will i will choose a blu-ray physical like a, a physical blu-ray over even a 4k uhd stream and i have a really good setup and i have a really good connection speed but i'll still take the blu-ray over um the like you know the physical media um or i'm sorry i'll take the blu-ray physical media over 4k anytime um but yeah again they stacked it with a bunch of special features uh two commentaries uh the other one is an archival one with sean cunningham i didn't really like it um it's very spacey like there's a lot of space in between. You can tell that Cunningham is not really a, I don't know if he's really a huge fan of this film and his work and I can understand why. Um, but the Lewis Abernathy and Jeff Murphy or Jeff Miller commentary is definitely the one. So yeah, you want to check that out. She hates me. She's disappointed. I could see it in her eyes when we met. I've got to stop sweating. My hairline. She thinks I'm bald. She's thinking I would never in a million years sleep with this guy. We think you're great. Oh, thanks. Wow, that's that's nice to hear. 
So, Adaptation is finally coming back to Blu-ray um, from Shout Factory through their Shout Select label. And I just kind of want to give a quick shout out to it because, you know, it's Adaptation, Spike Jones and Charlie Kaufman. And it's, uh, you know, of the early 2000 films, it's like one of the gr- truly great, great um, films of the early part of the new millennium um you know this is jones and kaufman working at a another level a level that i don't know if just because it's such a strange and i hate using the word meta but it definitely has this meta layer to it um something that i feel like is a high wire act that they managed to pull off that I don't know if any if any filmmakers could have done. Um, uh, like it's just a great film and worthy of discovery if people haven't seen it because I know it's been a couple of years since it's been back in event since it's been out of print by Sony. Um, the only drawback about the disc is is that there's literally like like the original release uh, on dvd and blu-ray there's literally nothing um in the way of special features and i'm pretty sure that that's what jones and kaufman have um asked for but at the same time it would have been nice to have some additional like you know special features um jones talking about the film or caught like you know kaufman who's notoriously shy talking about the film something um i mean hell even getting nick cage to talk about his dual roles as charlie and donald kaufman um you can check out my review that uh, literally will be posting um probably before this comes out or maybe a little after this comes out and i did a very kaufman-esque um review of the film because it is such a difficult film to wrap your head around as a viewer but let alone as a like you know reviewer so I just decided to like you know throw it out and do something a little more in line with uh Charlie Kaufman. So with that, you guys can pick that up. Um, that's actually well worth it, especially if you don't have a copy of Adaptation um, because it's been out of print for a couple of years. Uh, you know, I think that like I was looking at, I have a copy of it and I was looking at uh, eBay and they were like going for like 60 or 70 bucks. I'm like, fuck, that's an expensive ass fucking Blu-ray, but whatever, um, you know. It always helps to have physical media. Uh, but yeah, uh, Shout uh, shout Select, it's out um, as of the 20th of October. Um, uh, when we're recording this a couple of days before then. This is Bill Friedkin, day one, take one. Everything has to do with the mystery of fate or faith, and The Exorcist is about the mystery of faith. Uh, so recently, I've uh, I attended the Nightstream Film Festival, which was this conglomeration of various um, various horror f- uh, film festivals that ended up not being able to um, present, like you know, not being able to produce a film festival because of covid and they all got together and created this single um 
this single uh, film festival called Nightstream. And uh, like over the last, like it was uh, over a week, uh, you got access to uh, multiple films, uh, different film packages and stuff. And I kind of wanted to, I wanted to like actually talk about two of the films uh, that premiered, or they didn't premiere, but they, they showed there because they're going to be available to you fairly soon from Shudder. Um, the first is what I always like to call a Shudder special, which is is that um, I love Shudder just because of the fact that they have like, these, this impeccable taste in world cinema horror. And so they picked up this film called 32... Um, Malasana, Malasana Street, and that's actually going to be premiering, I think it's next week. It's a Spanish horror film. Um, a lot of people have compared it to The Conjuring, um, and I don't want to say too much because there's some really sharp and smart filmmaking, but I want to make people aware of it and let them know that this is definitely something that you should actually give a chance and try uh, because its story has, it's a very, it's a very familiar story, but it's done with an angle and an approach that like few if any films I've seen have tried and they pull it off. Like that's the big thing about this film is that they successfully pull off exactly what they're trying to do. And that's the thing that I get excited about is when somebody does this high wire act, like we were just talking about adaptation, like, you know, it's a, it's a high wire act that, that has this high risk, high reward, um, uh, you know, sort of proposition and when they pull it off and they pull it off with style, like that's something to commend. And, uh, you know, I've, I always feel like horror fans are the most willing to give something a try. And I feel like this is something that I've not heard a lot of people talk about, but I definitely want people to actually start taking a look at it. And I'm pretty sure that once it hits shutter, um, you know, horror fans are going to definitely kind of uh, going to vibe on this one. Um, and then the other one was from um, Alexander Philippe. Uh, most people know him for uh, 7852, uh, which is the documentary about the psycho shower scene. And he's made another um, very, very, very interesting documentary um, called Leap of Faith, uh, William freaking on the exorcist and it's yes it's a talking head documentary and yes it's a it's freaking talking about the exorcist but i'm gonna say like if you've ever if you've seen philippe's work um previous work then you will know the kind of film that you're in store for and because of the fact that it's not just about the exorcist i think that he gets freaking in a very loquacious and telling mood and when you get William freaking in that kind of mood you get a lot of unfiltered uh commentary or or discussion and here it just it's the right kind of it's the right it was the right time to get him because freaking really kind of dives into not just the making and the legends, but the things that are behind the legends of the exorcist. And he talks a lot about, um, 
you know, like it's more of a personal kind of discussion about not just about the exorcist, but the reason why he made the exorcist, like the, 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 the various, I don't want to ruin too much, but it's a very interesting conversation, something that I've not heard him speak about uh, before. Um, he, like, you know, I, I, like everybody knows, he's a very divisive figure, freaking, and, you know, talking about anything, there's this sense of, like, pushing the legend um, a lot of times with him. And here, that's not really the case. It's kind of wonderful to hear him talk bit more about the other side of the making of this film and the big question of why um and uh philippe is able to do a lot of like you know a lot of the things that he know he's known for in his films so it gives this extra cinematic quality to to the filmmaking and again this is on shutter this is actually coming out probably i think the same week as uh 32 uh maslana street is and so with that i would definitely highly recommend this especially if you're a fan of uh, the fan of the exorcist i definitely definitely recommend this <laughs> 다른 건 몰라도 이 사람 보는 눈은 있다는 거야. actually closing out with a film that's been out of circulation for quite a bit but um it's coming back and and thank god it is because it is a masterpiece um uh you know we've we've actually talked here on the b-movie podcast about you know we we definitely owe you a bong juho episode or episodes uh where we talk about his work i'm going to give you a mini taste of this because um next week um october 19th and 20th of this year 2020 um if you're listening to this hopefully in the future if you're listening to this we've survived and you know, this is not uh, Thunderdome or Fury Road and shit, um, but um, Memories of Murder um, has been out of circulation for quite a bit. Um, who knows the reasons why, but uh, Neon, um, after the release, the successful, huge, the hugely successful release of Parasite has decided to re-release Memories of Murder, um, what many people consider Bong Joon-ho's first masterpiece and I'm so willing to agree with that um back for a special engagement now of course in 2020 that's a little bit different now uh you'll have to check theaters and drive-ins to see where it's playing um but eventually it is going to make its way to the Criterion collection thank god it's going to be at some boutique label um but this uh you know you're able to I was actually able to get a screener so that I could actually watch um 
I could actually watch the film um, again after it's been a while since I've seen it because I do not actually have it on DVD or Blu-ray uh, as it's been out of print. Um, and oh God, thank God I was able to rewatch it because it's such a it's such a great movie. Um, it's you know it proceed like I like I like to tell people it preceded zodiac by four years you know so like but it has the milieu and the kind of like like i can honestly say that david fincher may have seen memories of murder and used it as like a stylistic to uh, like totem for zodiac i mean it feels like that because there's this there's this quality to memories of murder that is almost anti-procedural which i love um i actually reviewed it for the site you can actually read my review right now if you want to um but what i love about what mong ho does here is that like this is based on a true story and from all accounts it was a major fuck up like these people like the 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 detectives that had handled the case fucked it up royally um because they were fucking just violent idiots they were dolts they they had no concept of how to be like how you know how to proceed with an investigation and what i love here is is that you know bang ho makes these people human but makes them like like when i say human he makes them extremely fallible and you watch and you know with the with the goggles of 2020 this becomes a very harrowing experience but it's also like it's it's interesting because this is no different than this is not this is not a different film than what was released in 2003 like he didn't do anything with it didn't change anything this is the actual film that he released in 20 uh 2003 and it's sh it's shocking at how modernist of view it is about these people this investigation and how like the drama that's within the film isn't like this serial killer versus cop like you know chase it's these these guys fumble in major major fucking ways this investigation and the consequence is is that there are victims that just pile up and it's interesting the way that Bong Joon Ho like directs the film and in kind of makes this film about that kind of like tension between what these people should be doing and what they're what they are actually doing. Um, and uh, there's this there's this scene and I like I had forgotten it, but as soon as it happens. Um, there's this cross-cutting scene between the police officers and a new victim. And it just, what I love about Bong Joon-ho's work is that he gives you just enough distance and he gives himself just enough distance in that kind of Kubrickian way. Like, not in the affectation of his characters, but just in the way that he he frames things and he directs things to where there's... It's not like Scorsese, where Scorsese is like two inches away from his his like you know his subject. Like there's no there's no 
objectivity. There's only subjectivity. Um, with Bong Joon-ho, I feel like there's more um, objectivity than there is subjectivity. And it's really interesting the way that this this particular scene plays out. And you'll know it um, because it's towards the end of the film. It's uh, like it's during a rainy day. And it's literally the explosion that you've been waiting for the entire time. And what I love about this film is that I feel like in 2003, we kind of weren't ready for this. But in 2020, I think that we were we're absolutely ready for this movie. Um, and it's it's a mountain to climb. It really is, but it's well worth it. And um, I've just I just forgot how good that the film is. And it and it's that's like the thing with Bong Joon Ho's films is that you when you watch them, you honestly just kind of stop and you like after you finish one, you you just kind of like you look around and you go fuck. I forgot how good he is at what he does. And like, you know, and what he does is just make films like there's not like I feel like like the thing that I love most about Bong Joon-ho is, is that any movie that he's going to make, I'm going to be there for because he's not somebody that sticks to a genre. He just kind of malu he malu like he like he maluates himself or like he, he molds himself. He makes himself malleable is what I was trying to say to whatever the genre genre that he's he's approaching or the the kind of film that he's approaching and makes it a feast and puts layer upon layer i feel like in a weird way like i know that i brought up fincher but i feel like in a weird way he's he's kind of like like they're they're like ships passing in the night they're very similar in certain regards in the way that they approach filmmaking and but with very different results very different results i feel like though like you know memories of murder and zodiac as a double feature would be a fucking amazing double feature it would be a punishing double feature uh 5 hours of punishment but they at the end of them like i could totally see it being a, a like a great experience and again, guys, that's actually going to be in like in theaters or drive-ins. Uh, you'll have to check your local listings. Um, but it, it's also coming with a Q&A from Edgar Wright and Bong Joon-ho after the film, which is kind of great. Like, you know, uh, I know that Edgar Wright is a huge, huge fan. He's been a huge fan of this film since it was released. Um, I remember because I remember him writing articles, like, you know, not writing articles, but like, you know, posting about it. Um, he's always been on the Bong Joon-ho train, um, as a lot of us have been um, for a bit. Um, <laughs> I, I'm like, you know, self-confessed. I don't think that I... I hit it, uh, like, until Host, uh, because, I mean, Memories of Murder, I did get to see, and I saw it in, um, I actually did see it in the theaters, but I, I feel like Bong Joon-ho's, like, 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 melted my brain with the host. I think that was the movie where I went, fuck, okay, this, uh, like, this guy is something extremely special, um, yeah, so, uh, but uh, it's all saying, it's all to say that it's well worth your searching out for this movie because it is a brilliant piece of cinema. Uh, and 
require I feel like it's required viewing. And with that, guys, that does it for this one shot. Uh, we'll be back next week. Um, I'm hoping that uh, we'll have Scott back on, but we'll see. Um, if not, we're going to have another one shot. Um, and uh, maybe we'll line up a guest this time to kind of like just shoot the shit and figure out what they're doing. Um, you can reach out to us on Twitter and Instagram. I would not reach out to us on Twitter just because it's more of a landing page for us. Uh, Instagram is where you'd want to interact with us. Um, uh, you can actually uh, look at, you can follow both, uh, you know, both of, uh, you can follow us on both of those at BMoviePod, the letter B, the word movie, the word pod, all together, no lines, no dashes, no bullshit. Uh, you can follow the website, the movie aisle, um, Twitter, Instagram also. Also, landing pages uh, for the Twitters. Um, Instagram is more a little bit more active. It's the movie aisle. The word, uh, the word the, the word movie, the word aisle, all together. Aisle with an I, not an A, I guess I, I should actually say that. I haven't been saying that recently. Um, but there uh you can you can actually see what we're uh what we're writing about um you can see what you know what we're posting about on social media like you know our thoughts and interests and such um but we will be back next week uh where we'll cover some entirely new topics and uh if uh, scott does come back we'll get back on track with uh, some episodes that we owe you and uh, a couple of new series that we're excited about so until then talk to you guys soon Imagine me and you, I do I think about you day and night It's only right to think about the girl you love And hold her tight, so happy together If I should call you up, invest a dime And you say you belong to me, lose my mind Imagine how the world could be So very fine, so happy together Toss the dice, it had to be The only one for me is you And you for me, so happy together It had to be The only one for me is you And you for me So happy together to be the only one for me is you and you for me so happy together so happy together
It's the weather. So happy together.